right, so this morning, we're going to do things, it's, it's a little bit of a different sermon than I normally give, uh, but uh, it goes kind of to the heart of, uh, well, a little bit about who I am and, and who I believe this church is and where we will, will go uh, and, and who we ought to, to be. Uh, on the other Friday night when we were here with the, the men, Afterwards, a couple of the men stayed around, and part of the things we were talking about was, was basketball. And uh, it just reminds me, I haven't turned myself on here. There we go. So we, we were talking a, a little bit about many things, but basketball came up. Uh, as a teenager, I was a basketball tragic. And uh, if you were to ask my parents, they'd probably tell you I played far too much basketball and didn't study nearly enough. Uh, but I played a lot of basketball. My hero during that time was uh, a man called Magic Johnson. Maybe some of you know him. He was one of the greats of, of basketball. And uh, I just tried to imitate him in the way I played and, and, and all so much so that my friends and, and all that I played with called me Magic Manning. Um, I wasn't nearly as good and uh, probably about a third the height of him. But uh, still, what I loved about the way Magic Johnson played and what made him so great in my mind was his ability, not just as a great player, but his ability to make his team great. He was known for being able to pass and, and help other people score and his goal was not just to be a great player, but to have a great team. And that's what really drew me to him was he knew how to lift others up and make a great team. As I thought about that, you consider, well, maybe sport isn't your thing, maybe there's other things, but we see it even in a lot of the movies we watch. And maybe I'm pigeonholing myself here and telling you a bit too much about myself, but we like The Lord of the Rings at our house. And uh, maybe you're familiar with that and enjoy that. But at the centre of the story of Lord of the Rings is a hobbit named Frodo, and he is, I guess, kind of considered the hero of the story as it goes through. But his, his journey is completely impossible without the group that is around him, what's called the Fellowship of the Rings. Of the Rings. So he couldn't do what he did and he couldn't accomplish his mission without the other people around him who helped him do that. And it's kind of true of, of many of the things that we see. I'm, um, I'm wearing my uh, uh, Captain America socks this morning. And, uh, you know, even with Captain America, you know, this great, strong hero, but he couldn't do what he, what he did without friends like Bucky or Agent Carter. Or, you know, so even in our great stories, whether it's movies or whatever, what, what we often see is, yes, there is often a hero in that story, but the hero, even in real life, can't get done what needs to be done without help. There's always somebody around them which makes them better, and as the team works together, it becomes better. It's odd because in our world, everyone wants to be the hero. You know, we, we like the, the hero movies in various forms. Maybe it's westerns or whatever, or the books that we read. We all want to be the, the hero. But in essence, true heroes are the ones who make the ones around them better who lift the people up that are around them. And it's this attitude, I think, which, at, which is at the heart of Christianity. Paul writes, we'll get to Ephesians in just one second, but Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, 
verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Don't try and be the hero, but let's look out and see how we can help others grow, how we can help others be who they need to be in Christ. I think this is a defining characteristic of what it means to be a child of God, to help others grow. 2022 is going to be an important year for us as a church. We're beginning a new year with a new pastor and and new challenges uh, ahead of us. There are a lot of things that we're going to need to address and see and changes that will inevitably happen because we can't stop them. So it's going to be an important year for us. Now, to express this idea of, of what I've just said about helping others and, and being the hero who isn't trying to find the attention but who's trying to lift others up, I'm building it around this idea or this phrase, light the way. And I'm going to explain that this morning as we go through. But let's start by reading in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 8. Ephesians 5 and verse 8, it says, For you were once darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, as we we endeavor to learn, grow, and to hear your word, we pray that you would encourage us, teach us, And help us to encourage and lift up others in our life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I said, to express this idea that I want to draw out, I'm using this phrase, light the way. Now, one thing we need to understand as we look here at the beginning is, when I say that we need to light the way, we are not the light. We simply reflect the light. So verse 14 ends with, and Christ shall give the light. We are lights which lead to Christ, which encourage others to find Christ, to show who Christ is. In the Bible, and we're going to see this a lot because next Sunday we're beginning our journey through the Gospel of John. And that's more where I'm comfortable, where we get into a book of the Bible and we, we make our way through. So next week we start in the book and the Gospel of, of John. And you'll find as we go through the Gospel of John, but this also comes right throughout the Bible, is the, the idea, the concept of light is used quite, quite frequently as an illustration of many different things. To see the nature of light. And the nature of light is used to identify who we are as the people of God and who God is and what that means in the world and how light works. We're going to delve a little bit into that this morning, but we will see it particularly as we jump through and make our way through the Gospel of John. We want to use the nature of light this morning to guide us to walk as children of light, as it tells us in verse 8. 
Now, what I'm saying is we're, we're, this morning is we, I guess we're kind of casting a vision of where we go, and this is not something new. The reason I have found this to be a guiding principle for my life is because your pastor before me input it into my life, and I know he has put it into the life of this church. So it's not new, and it's not uh, something different. I don't want us as a church to be striving to be a hero. That is, I don't think we need to be a world-renowned church. I don't, I, I'm, I don't, I, I fought for years to not have to have my recordings and things on the internet because who wants to listen to me? You guys are here and that's great and I thank you for that but I wouldn't want to have to listen to me. Because we're not here to be a hero, and I don't want to be a hero, and this church doesn't want to be a hero, but what we want to be is to be a people who lift others up, who show the way to Christ in our community, in our church, to show the way. We will become a light. We will be able to light the way as each of us give ourselves to that goal. You know, we can't say everything that will need to be said about light and what that means for us this morning, but we will certainly start. Light has a number of characteristics to it. One, light leads, and that it opens and exposes the way so that we know where to go. We can lead with light. Light also has the ability to lift people's spirits. This is something we find in Scripture too. And light also has the ability in its nature to energize. So this morning, as we delve here and we take some truths out of Ephesians 5, I want to think, how do we, as the people of God, light the way? How do we light the way? And one of the things I want to do is a little bit different than I normally do, and I don't do this often, is with each of my main points, I'm going to say it, and I want you to say it with me. So I've written them as statements. So the first is this, how do we light the way? I will lead you to truth. Would you say that with me? I will lead you to truth. I've written these as statements because these are things that we need to affirm. These are things that we need to be as the people of God. I will lead you to truth. As we consider what this means to be led to truth and to lead others to truth, we consider verse 8 where we began. It says, For you were sometimes or once darkness, but now are you light in the Lord, walk as children of light. The first place we're going to start here as we think about what it is to light the way and how it will lead you to truth is, firstly, to know truth. It will lead you to truth, to know the truth. Verse 8 is a staggering verse, and in fact, in the context of our society, it is a verse which does not fit. Because verse 8 is a verse of absolutes. So it says there, you were once darkness, but now are you light in the Lord, walk as children of light. It's an absolute statement. It means that as the child of God, as people who have believed Jesus Christ as Savior, there are some absolute facts. We know truth. Now that is something much of our world doesn't think is possible. To know truth and to be certain about what we know. So these statements aren't just empty hype. Oh, yes, I know truth, but uh, there's, we, we have the ability where we can know without doubt, one, that there is truth, 
and that we can understand that truth. As believers, we know the truth. And because we know the truth, that then gives us the ability to lead others to know truth. You've probably noticed, as I read here in verse 8, you know, the King James says, for you were sometimes darkness. You may have a footnote there. It's an important little footnote because sometimes can be confusing because it adds that idea, well, it's on and it's off. And it, it, the better way is to say you were once or you were. That's what the sometimes meant when the King James was written. You were once darkness. You were darkness. So it's not saying sometimes you're dark, sometimes you're light. And it switches. That's not what it means at all. It means you once were. It's a past tense phrase. You once were darkness. Now I want you to notice something, what it says about this, where it says you once were darkness, but now are you light. Notice that it does not say you are or were of the darkness, but now you are of the light, or something along those lines. It says you were darkness and you are light so those are statements of nature they are absolute statements about who you are you were darkness you are light you were naturally when we were born in darkness so when it says you were sometimes you were Darkness. you were once darkness, it is not saying that you were a victim of darkness. What Paul is writing there when he says you were once darkness, he's saying you were part of the darkness. It was your nature. You weren't a victim of it. You were contributing to it. It is who you are. It is in your very nature that you are darkness. And just like before you were saved, you were darkness. That is, you were contributing, you were part of the darkness. So now, with Christ, you are light. It is your nature. It is who you are. Darkness throughout Scripture, and you can see it even in, in the book of Ephesians when you start from the beginning, Paul uses, as he often does, light and darkness in, in ways to describe things. And darkness represents everything that is opposed to God. He describes it in one way in Ephesians chapter 2. At the beginning of chapter 2, he says, And you hath he quickened or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the, the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. By the very nature of light and dark, they don't mix. When light comes in, it chases away darkness. The way the Bible uses light throughout, and particularly the New Testament, to describe uh, what life is like, it speaks of, of two things predominantly, purity and truth. When the Bible uses the terms light, it usually has those things in mind. It's talking to describe to us about purity of life and truth. So you once were darkness, but now you are light. That is, 
You have been made pure, and you know truth. It says you are light. That's what he means by that. You have been made pure. The darkness has been chased out by the light. You have been made pure, and you have been given truth, shown the light of truth. You are light. You are light. So as light, you are light. And like I said at the beginning, that doesn't mean you are the light. That is Christ, and we draw that out more. But you are light. So light the way to truth. Verse 11 of our text in Ephesians 5 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. This section here finishes in verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Now that I know truth, I want others to know the truth. Paul, in verse 14 here, is giving us an invitation to salvation. Awake! Awake you who are asleep in darkness and see the light of Christ. Let Christ give you light. And that, that is what we are called to do. We know the truth. We know that Christ is the light. We know that he is the truth. And so as Paul does, calling awake, see the truth and Christ will give you light. This is our job. The light that is in us is now to lead others to truth. Awake, see the light, hear the truth. He quotes here from some Old Testament scriptures. So this isn't just a, a New Testament idea. This is something that has gone through Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for light has come. He applies this to Christ. These Old Testament scriptures he applies to Christ. In Christ is salvation. And in Christ we are called to life. This is one of the implications in the Bible about light, and we'll see that at the very beginning of the Gospel of John, that light and life go together. Christ calls us to life. Awake thou that sleepest. He calls us from the dead to life. Our life in darkness is futile, and it leads to, to, to death, but Christ can give you life. He calls us to life, and Christ calls us to light. That is, we are no longer in darkness. We are no longer in empty lives and dying. We are no longer alone. In Christ, we are light. So we must point people to the light. I will lead you to truth, to know truth. I will lead you to truth, to follow truth. Verse 10 says, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, or testing what is acceptable unto the Lord. To know truth, this light that we are given, when we believe Jesus Christ is our Savior, we have seen the truth of who Jesus is, and light has come into our life. It's not just a matter of now we know truth, so it's all good, and I can teach truth, and I, I, can, I can have the truth in me. Now, because the light is in me, because I know truth, it is now my responsibility to follow that light. Not just to tell others about the light, 
Not just to say, I've got the light and I know the truth and I know this, but I need to be pursuing the light myself. I need to be living in the light, to lead to the light, to pursue truth, to be a light. When the Bible speaks about being a light, to be a light is to live for Jesus, to give your life to live for him, a life that belongs to God, that gives glory to him, not shining light on myself, not so that you can see me or see how good I am or what God has done in my life, but so that you see God, to lead to God. Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 5, and he says, essentially this, he says, make it your aim. This Make it the purpose of your life. Make it your aim to be well-pleasing to God. Pursue him. I mentioned on Wednesday that one of the things we do as our family devotions is we, we go through a, a, a confession of faith or a, a catechism, which is really just, it's a list of questions about, uh, about doctrine and then an answer to that so that we learn what the Bible teaches about things. One of the, the, the great questions and perhaps one that's most well known from these catechisms is this, what is the chief end of man or what is the great purpose of mankind? And the answer to that question, what is the chief end or the great purpose of mankind, the answer is this. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That is what the Bible teaches about what our purpose on life is. To give God glory and in giving him glory, enjoy him forever. This is our great purpose, to pursue the light, to follow the light ourselves. To lead people to truth, I must be continually pursuing it myself. If I'm going to tell people they need to follow Jesus, I must be following Jesus. I must be following his light, seeking to know what pleases him, finding out what is acceptable, what is pleasing to God. There is work to do in that. There is searching to do in that. And the word of God leads us on that way. Your verse 10 says proving or finding out or testing. It means to discover by examination. This proving what is acceptable under the Lord. That is, I am going to discover what pleases God by searching, by learning to know who he is, by following the light. Search God's word, and as we see God, we will follow it. That's why God's word will continue to be the focus of our gatherings. We sing and we do other things, but that's why we have a rhythm in our services. We sing and we read the word of God and we pray and we sing a little more and we read the word of God and we pray and we sing and then we come to the word of God and we pray and we respond. There is a rhythm in that. There's a communication in that. We hear God speak, we respond in prayer and song. We hear God speak, we respond in prayer and song. We hear God speak, we respond in prayer and song and repentance. That's why our services have been this way for, for so long. It is a rhythm of listening and learning and following the light. So... As we consider what it means to light the way, the first is that I will lead you to truth. 
The second is this, I will encourage your heart. Will you say that with me? I will encourage your heart. I will lead you to truth. I will encourage your heart. As we encourage one another's heart, and as we minister to one another and light the way of Jesus Christ, we understand a number of things. And the first is this, when we reveal that, when we encourage one another's heart, it reveals that we are not alone. When we shine the light of the gospel and the light of Jesus Christ into the lives of those around us, it reveals that we are not alone. Verse 8 again says, For you were once darkness, but now are you light. Uh, Now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You are light because God is light. Your light does not come from within you. So this isn't about us looking inside ourselves and finding what we have inside of ourselves to give to others. It's about seeing Christ and what Christ is in us. We are light because God is light. Which is why it says in verse 8, But now are ye light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. So the purity that comes into our life, the cleansing that comes, comes not because of my own works or because of what I do. It comes because of Jesus Christ. The knowledge and the truth that I now understand and that I grow in comes not because I am brilliant and because I can decipher things. It comes because God reveals it to me because God is light and has enlightened me. Two very important implications And encouragement comes from here. Firstly, you are light because God is light. In 1 John, and I might just read a couple of of verses here from from 1 John chapter 1, because these shed a little more light on what we're talking about this morning. These are perhaps verses that you're familiar with. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5 says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is the source of all that is pure. God is the source of all that is good and right. You are pure having believed Jesus Christ because God is pure. You know truth having believed Jesus Christ because God is truth. He is good and he has shone his light in you. And by carrying his light, you carry his presence. We're not left alone to find goodness and truth. It's given to us. The light that we have, the fact that we are lights because God is light, is a testimony to us that we are not alone, that God is with us. God abides with his people. So that's the first great truth that comes with the idea of light, that you are not alone because God is light. You are light because God is light. But secondly, in his light, we have companionship. In his light, we have companionship. If I continue on in 1 John chapter 5, verse 6 continues like this. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. In verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, which is what we've been talking about, follow the light. We have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Did you see what he says there? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, it didn't say 
at this point, we have fellowship with God. Now, John has said that before and says it again. But what he said here was, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, who do we have fellowship with? One another. One another. The light that God puts in our life lights us and tells us that God is present with us. And we have fellowship with God. But the light in us also gives us fellowship with one another. With those who are in the light. Lest you think that God's light is some intangible feeling. Some idea. God is light and it's supposed to make me feel a certain way. Or, and so if I don't feel that or or grasp that intangible idea some way, then I don't know God's light. Lest you think that God's light is some intangible idea, he says, the tangible nature of God's light is in the people around you. You see the light of God through the people you worship with, through your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. To be in God's light is to be in fellowship with God's people. We, we are the tangible presence of God in each other's life. Now, I'm not saying we are God. I'm saying we reflect, we show, we input the presence of God and the truth of God into the lives of the people around us. Because of God's light in me, I can shine God's light into your life. And because of God's light in you, you can shine the light of God into the lives of my life and the lives of the people around you. We are encouraged along the way by others. The light that God has shone in your life is to be used to shine in my life. Look around you. Encourage their hearts. Shine the light of God into their hearts. I will encourage your heart, one, by revealing you're not alone, but also encourage you to godliness. Verse 11 of our text back in Ephesians 5 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. So as I encourage you to godness, one of the things that means is I won't encourage sinful behavior. Our life and our conversations shouldn't be driven by the wickedness and the selfishness and the natural desires of the world. We get enough darkness through the week. We get enough onslaughts of, of life which draws us and tempts us into the old ways of life during the week when we go to work or we go to school and we we do our things through the world we get enough of that outside when we're with believers we don't want that and as believers we should not be encouraging one another to darkness i won't encourage sinful behavior but i will encourage you to godliness i will encourage you to godliness The people of God is to be a sanctuary from darkness. 
the primary purpose of our church gatherings. When we gather on Sundays and when we gather on Wednesdays, the primary purpose of our gathering together is for God's people. To encourage one another to shine the light of God into our lives. The things we say, the things we do, need to encourage each other to godliness. To fill me with courage to face the wiles of the devil. To strengthen my resolve to live for God. When we're together, whether it be as a, as a body together or, or individually, inspire me to be a better person to be a more godly person. Don't let me sink in the ways of darkness. So as we think about what it is to light the way, to light the way, I will lead you to truth. I will encourage your heart. And finally, I will strengthen your service. Will you say that one with me? I will strengthen your service. Which means... This, as we look at verse 9, it says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. I will strengthen your service because I will shine in the darkness. My faith will be seen, says here in verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is a result of life. When light comes into a life, life comes. Fruit is the result of life. And where there is light, there is life. And where there is life, there is fruit. And this is what he means by that. For the fruit of the Spirit, the result of the light of God in our life, the result of the work of the Spirit within our life, having shown us truth, is that there is fruit. All true believers bear fruit. That's what Jesus told us in John chapter 15. I am the true vine, you are the branches, and you will bear fruit. Without me, you can do nothing, he says. We are living examples of what it means to be a Christian. You know, the, the, world, the world has a thousand places where they think they find out what it is to be a Christian. The media will tell them what a Christian is. Perhaps their past upbringing will tell them what a Christian is. There's a, a thousand things. The, the, the things they read will tell them what they think a Christian is. But they will find out what a true Christian is from you. By seeing how you live. You know, there's a, a whole bunch of ways that we can reach out and we can evangelize our community. We can door knock and we can letterbox and we can do all of those things. But do you know, history has proven over and over again, the most effective way to win people to Christ is by somebody they know. People are more likely to be won to Christ because they see the life lived out. They know that person is living it. So I will live in the light. Now I want you to note something he says here in verse 9. It says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all. That little phrase, is in all, means to plunge the depths to go to the depths of what these mean. So go, go right into to it. Keep diving into these things. So plunge the depths of goodness, righteousness, and truth. 
express them in every area of our life. So I will seek your good. That's what goodness means. It means benevolence. It means moral goodness, uprightness. If I'm going to lead you to truth, if I'm going to be what I need to be, a true light in the world and light the way, I will seek your good. Not my own selfish ways. I will seek what is good for you. I will live in a manner which is beneficial to others. I will have a generosity of spirit. Have the highest good of others in mind. I will seek your good. He says also that we need to not only delve the depths of goodness, but we need to delve the depths of righteousness, which has to do with our right standing with God. It has to do with how I relate to God. So if I'm going to delve into the depths, if I'm going to see what it is to be in all righteousness, it means I'm going to live out what God has done in my life. The relationship that I have with Christ, as it deepens, is going to be lived out. You're going to see in me change, a transformation, as I become more like Christ, and my life shines a light on the glory of Christ. I will seek your good, I will set a good example. And the third one there is truth or sincerity. It means um, the, the word truth here kind of has the opposite of duplicity, this singleness of mind. I will live in sincerity. That is, pursue truth and live it with singleness of mind. Let it be your focus that my life and my belief are held in balance that who I am in Christ and how I live start to look the same. As I strengthen your service, I will shine in the darkness and I will strengthen this body. I will strengthen this body. I will use my gifts. Ephesians 4 verse 7, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Ephesians 4 11, uh, and, and we've looked at this before, but actually we're going to verse 16. It says, verse 4, verse 16, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Every believer is gifted with spiritual gifts. Paul tells us in Romans, As we've been gifted, let us use them. Not to use for our own gain, but for the benefit of others. I will use my gifts to build you up. I will use my gifts to build you up. No matter how God gifts you, you're all gifted for the same reason. Maybe God has gifted you to preach and speak like me, or maybe it's hospitality, or, or whatever it is, no matter how God has gifted you, no matter the, the vast different ways, we are all gifted differently, but for the same purpose. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 tells us, for the profit of all. God gifts me so that I can build you up, just as he gifts you so that you can build us up. What do I want to pursue with my life? I mean, if I was to have a life statement, boil it down to what is my life for? This is it. This is it. If you want to know what I live for, 
If you want to know what my goal in life is, it's to light the way. And this is what I think is at the heart of who we are. I will light the way. I will encourage your heart. I will strengthen your service. This is what is at the heart of who we are. We don't need to pursue to be the biggest church, the most exciting place, the church with something for everyone. We need to be a a church that pursues Christ above all and let Christ build his church. To build one another up, to light the way in a world of darkness. Let me put it a different way, and this is often how I remember this. Same three things said differently. I will educate, I will encourage, and I will empower. That's how I remember it. I will educate, I will encourage, and I will empower. And let me flip it one more time and give you one other way to remember it. And you can read this one, if you like, in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Because all of these things that I've said are just outworking of the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Go into the world and teach or make disciples. Educate. I will lead you to truth. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This bringing them into fellowship, encouraging their heart. Teach them to observe all things I have commanded you. Help and encourage and strengthen them to be all that God intended them to be. This is who we are. This is not something I made up so that I could be cool and say, I've got a cool vision for who we are. This is Christ's call to each of us individually. This is Christ's call to us as a church. If we fix our vision on these three areas, the people we come into contact with will grow closer to God. As we apply these things, as we learn to live these things out and to follow the light that has been given to us, and shine the light that has been given to us, people will grow closer to God. Don't try and be the hero. We don't need another hero. We have a hero, Jesus. Our duty is simply to shine the light on our hero. Say, here is who you need to see, Jesus. Don't look at me. Look at Jesus. Be the one who lights the way. And let's let this church be a church that lights the way to Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have given to us. I am deeply, deeply thankful for the people you have gathered here as part of this church who shine the light of God into my life, who help me learn, who encourage me and who empower me to serve you. Dear God, may that essence of the Great Commission 
be what motivates each and every one of us. That we would, one, shine the light of the gospel into the dark world. And two, shine the light of God into the lives of God's people. That we might be strengthened and encouraged and be used for the advancement of your great and glorious kingdom. We praise you and we thank you for this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.